My dark web story is one that actually happened recently. Within the last four or five months, actually. And it's one of the most disturbing and sickening things that I have ever seen or experienced in my 32 years of being on this earth. There are some real sick people out there, and I want to say to those of you listening, stay off the dark web. Enjoy the stories told by those of us that were stupid enough to get involved in it, but don't get curious enough to drag yourself into the mud. Like most people, living in this quarantine has left me with an excessive amount of spare time on my hands. I'm still employed, thankfully, but I get to work from the comfort of my living room. I'm not going to name my employer or my job title for obvious security reasons, but I will say that I'm pretty much the guy on the network team that gets to sit at home and watch data traffic spikes for the company's applications and websites. To be honest, I probably have one of the easiest jobs out there. I have to watch a graph system as it shows how much data our servers are pushing and receiving, and unless we get hit with a denial of service act, there's not much to be done. If anything does happen, I have to get on the phone and talk with the other networking guys about what actions we want to take. Then have my weekly report call with my boss to tell her that everything is working as intended. We aren't a huge company, and we upgraded our services at the end of last year, which was perfect timing, so there's honestly not a whole lot to do on the day-to-day. -day. Based on what I just said, you can probably assume that I know my way around a computer. I've been in IT my whole career, and I like to believe that I can hold my own out there. I know how networks run, I understand data routing, and I know a lot about data encryption and security. During the start of quarantine, I started studying more about data security and such, and ended up interested in Tor, uh, onion routing, and how the deep web and dark web differ from the surface web. If you really want some interesting reads, you should look into Mariah's web. It's an interesting rabbit hole. As most technically adapted people do, I got both bored and curious about what exists out there in the deeper parts of the internet. I don't want to do anything illegal, but part of me wanted to be familiar with what content and activities existed beyond the surface. I know, uh, this is stupid, but boredom and extra time can be a terrifying motivator when you kind of know what you're doing. I went through the process of setting up my personal system to get on the deep web. I installed Tails, set up Tor, got a decent VPN after some vetting, did my security checks. I started going through some of the Onion links that were easily accessible. For the most part, they were innocent sites that really didn't have anything crazy on them. I was simply perusing the pages, not getting heavily involved. I found a lot of what you would expect to find, adult content, a few illegal shop sites, various conspiracy boards, and other forms. Just some basic deep web content that really didn't stand out. Then I ended up on a page that I never would have expected to see on the dark web. A dating site. I say dating sites, but based on the explanation of their service and some of their profiles, I think it was meant to be more like Tinder, one-night stand interactions with little to no commitment. What I found was that the dating page was set up in what I can only call categories, uh, basically split out into what you were looking for in a partner. It had categories for race, ethnicity, background, sexual preference, personal kinks, and 
even a section that was basically for sugar daddies. If you don't know what that is, I'm not going to explain it to you. Our category under the personal kink section made me curious as it was something I wasn't sure about. It was called Chasers. I clicked on it and decided I would spend a few minutes looking through the profiles. What I ended up finding was nothing short of legitimately horrifying. The profile I clicked on was of a middle-aged guy. He was fairly attractive and looked like someone that would do well on any of the dating apps. I was reading through who he was, trying to figure out what the hell made him a chaser uh, when I got to the bottom of his profile. It read the following. I'm looking for anyone that can help me achieve my lifelong dream of being physical with an HIV-infected individual. This entire section further outlines how it was a goal of him to catch the disease and that he was willing to pay almost any amount to do this. I went to another profile and it was a young man that explained that he had been infected with COVID and that he would be willing to give it to anyone that wanted it for uh, the price of a nice dinner. Uh, The third profile I went to was looking for someone to hurt or severely injure them while being intimate. And I'm not even going to explain the specifics of what he wanted, but uh, that person definitely needed to seek help. This entire category was of people looking to catch diseases or to give diseases to each other, and a few that were looking to be injured. A lot of them were looking to pay for these services, saying that it was a deep fantasy of theirs. I think the most disgusting one, besides the ones I mentioned, was a man that was requesting to be with a woman that had terminal cancer. There's nothing inherently wrong with being with someone that has cancer, I have no issue with that but he was treating it like a fetish and listed in his profile that the sicker, the better. Again, he listed that he was willing to pay significant amounts of money or even take care of medical costs for this. This site cemented in my mind that there were some very, very disturbed people out there. I closed it and shut down my laptop. I won't say it was the last time that I ever got on the deep web, but... It definitely made me more careful about where I went and less curious about what was out there. This story isn't mine, personally. I'm not the type of person to go out on the deep web for any reason. This story actually happened to a co-worker and a good friend of mine. I made sure he was okay with me submitting the story and he said it was fine. For the sake of privacy and security, we're going to refer to him as Ron. Ron's a good guy, probably one of the nicest people I've ever met, and he really didn't deserve the situation that happened to him. I will say that I've known him for a few years now, and I completely believe everything he's told me about this. Several years ago, Ron lived in a comfortable suburban home with his lovely wife of 10 years, and for the sake of security, we're going to call her Karen. Ron and Karen had a seven-year-old daughter at the time of this story, and everything seemed all right. Ron had a good job and made more money than they actually needed. Karen was a stay-at-home mom that took care of their daughter when she was home and ran the various errands while she was at school, pretty much doing the basics of what a stay-at-home parent does. Ron was under the impression that their marriage was in a good position. He loved Karen as much as he always had. He loved his daughter more than life itself. They had a nice house in a nice neighborhood, and they had enough money to take care of any financial emergencies if they needed it. To the best of Ron's knowledge, they were all happy and healthy. He didn't think anything was wrong at home. Karen, on the other hand, was apparently very 
unhappy with their marriage, and was determined to leave Ron and run off with some guy that she had met online and been talking to around a year. Karen and her internet boyfriend had apparently spent a lot of time plotting and spoke extensively on how they could follow through on what they had planned and what would be the best way to get the deed done. At one time, they even discussed the possibility of the internet boyfriend driving from his home in Nebraska and doing it himself, saying that he could make it look like a robbery gone wrong. Apparently, this would have been too personal, and they opted to look on the dark web for someone to remove her husband from the equation. Then, she would wait long enough to bury him, collect insurance, and pretend to grieve. After a few months, she planned to then take her daughter and the money from his life insurance and run off with the boyfriend to start their new life up north. Based on the conversations, she was adamant that it needed to look like an accident. That way, the life insurance would pay out the maximum. Like I said, Ron made good money and was worth a decent amount dead, so she planned to live a few years off that with the new guy. Back to their actual plan, as I said, they had the intent of going onto the dark web and finding, basically, a hitman to get rid of her husband. Apparently, they were successful to an extent. They got on the deep web and they found a site that listed people providing these services and they got the information for someone that they were going to pay to do the entire thing. They even went as far as sending the $15,000 to the account of the person that was supposed to do the job. Thankfully for Ron, his wife and her new boyfriend were not well versed in how things worked on the dark web, and to some extent, were kind of stupid. Apparently, they went all the way through the plotting with this person, sent him the money, and even set a date on the date in question. Karen had taken their daughter to her grandparents' house, and had told Ron that she was going to spend the day with them. While she was gone, Ron got a visit by the local police and a federal agent. They explained the situation to him and basically took him into protective custody. When Karen got home, she expected to find her husband lying dead on the living room floor, but instead had federal agents screaming at her and taking her to the ground. What's worse, she had apparently brought their daughter home with her, meaning she would have been okay with that little girl seeing her dead father. Based on what Ron was told, the police had all the information on the conversation. Connection logs from when she was on the page, emails from her to the fake hitman, and enough evidence to put her away for a long time. Apparently, she was so desperate to get rid of him that she was able to be talked into sending the money over PayPal. She literally sent $15,000 on a credit card over PayPal to have her husband murdered. I don't know if she was ignorant or she just wanted it done and wasn't going to question the situation. Thankfully, for Ron's sake, she had gotten a hold of a sting on the site and she was taken down without issue. The boyfriend was also arrested and they were charged for conspiracy to commit murder and probably a few other charges. But they were both sentenced to 20 years in prison for their plans. Ron has since remarried and his daughter is old enough to understand what her mother did but he says that he got lucky with all this. And I agree. If his wife had gone to another page, been a little more competent, and paid a little more attention to being secure in her messages, Ron may have been legitimately murdered that day, and she would be off living with her internet boyfriend in the Dakotas. This story is going to be a bit uh, technical, and I know that may turn some people off of it, but 
The technical side is important to know exactly what it is that made this such a weird situation for me. I'm going to try to keep it a bit simplified, so my apologies if the techie in me breaks through. For some background on who I am, I do two jobs in my daily life, a front-end web development and back-end web connections. The first job has me building out websites for users and including both the coding of the pages as well as the overall user interfaces. The second job has me watching server connections and seeing what traffic goes where and who connects to what. The best way to look at it is like this. If you connect to a website, you're connected to a web server, most likely in a data center. Those data centers have routers internally, uh, gateways, load balancers, and a bunch of other devices that most home users will never touch in their lives, and a lot of them do something boring. That said, uh, most people know what a firewall is, or at least that it filters traffic based on rules. Those rules tell you what can and cannot connect, and what to do with traffic that isn't specifically laid out, accept or deny. All that technical BS out of the way, my job requires that I understand how connections happen and that I need to know how to determine where an IP is connecting from. This comes in handy as I'm able to see that an IP in China is trying to connect to our local government website in Ohio, which typically results in those IPs getting blacklisted, basically pinpointing the geographical location of an IP address. It sounds complicated, but a lot of this information is easily accessible and with a bit of know-how, you can usually get a good estimation on the location. Now, I've dabbled in the dark web a few times, and I like to know what I'm doing. Most of the time, connections on the deep web are encrypted, and it's difficult to find out who is where and what's all going on. Most of the time, the people that run dark websites don't have much of a connection to the surface web, but it does happen. There was one time that I ended up on a deep website that wasn't very well built, or at least not very well protected. This site was for Bitcoin transactions and money transfers, and based on what they described, they were used for very specific, very illegal adult content. You would think that they would keep this kind of thing behind good technology, and that you would never have to worry about your data being accessed. Well, you'd be wrong in that case. The site itself had pieces of code that were static, including connections to static IP addresses while checking out. Uh, lesson one in security, never hard code anything. Always code with dynamics in mind. Anyway, I pulled what was static in the connections. There were only a couple of IPs. Uh, one of them seemed to not respond to traffic at all, uh, which I expected, but the other one, the one that was constantly labeled as home throughout the code seems to be a web server that wasn't locked down at all. I connected to the admin port on the server, and to my surprise, the login information was the default credentials. I was expecting this server to be mostly empty, but as I transferred the directories, I was honestly surprised. Looking at what was on the server, this was the server. The one that was running the payment process for the illegal content and they were storing all of the data on this server. There was even an IP access log that they were holding onto, a list of all the systems that had connected and made transactions over the past year or two. As I dug deeper into the server, I found something that honestly creeped me out. There was a directory on the web server that was for a school district's website. This server that was taking payments for sites that ran very illegal content 
was also hosting the public, surface web-facing site for a school district. Looking at the information that was saved on some of the pages, it was a school district that taught everything from pre-K through 12 and was down south. My initial thought was that maybe the server was hosted by a third party, but after checking the IP address on the geolocator, it was confirmed that this server was 100% hosted on a static IP address assigned to that school district. The schools probably had no idea that they were passing Bitcoin transactions for such vile content, but someone there knew, and they were taking full advantage of having access to the servers and government-funded IP addresses. I gathered all the information, including how I found the server, what the server was hosting, and how insecure the server was, and took screenshots. I bundled it all up and sent it over to the superintendent of the district, advising them that they needed to look into who was running their servers. I only ever got one email back, basically saying thanks and that they would look into it. My guess is that they handed it over to the local police, or they did an internal investigation. Obviously, they're not going to tell me the end result. In my head, though, the sicko that was taking advantage of the schools like this is in prison. I've been a user of the deep web for quite a long time, going through the various deep sites and seeing what's out there. There's some interesting people and pages that exist, but if you don't know what you're doing, I really don't recommend getting involved in it. I've been in too deep for a while, and the story I'm about to tell you was at the time in my life where I was out of control and doing stupid things. Back in the day, I used to be one of those deep, dark web users that may or may not have been involved in some questionable activity. Of this questionable activity, the worst was doing business with a website that was very similar to Silk Road. It wasn't Silk Road, but it was obviously trying to be, and as dumb as it sounds, the prices were more competitive than others. Thinking back to it now, that should have been a red flag. The bigger sites had methods of vetting and verification of their sellers. They knew who they were working with, and the security was definitely part of the pricing structure. But when you're a broke college kid that is addicted to certain medications, you don't really think too hard on the security of your dealer. Basically, your only thoughts are, do they have what I want, and can I afford it? So, obviously, I knew what I was doing back when I got involved with these sites and these people. I knew it was illegal, I knew that I had no way of disputing if my dealer didn't come through, and I would have no manner of taking legal action against the site or the seller. The site had an interesting system in place. The sellers wouldn't list what they had behind a few cryptic user tags, and they had what they called a traffic light system. Basically, the seller could mark their stock based on color. Green was full, yellow limited, red was offline and not selling. If it was green, you could basically send them the money and get what you wanted. Yellow typically required a message to make sure they had what you wanted, and red meant don't contact me. It was actually pretty damn smart, and cut out having to incriminate yourself by specifically listing what you had, and also cut down on the communication requirements. You just bought what you wanted and moved on. In my time on this site, there was one user that I worked with regularly over the two years. They were dependable and, strangely enough, incredibly polite when I had to message them. I know that sounds stupid, but they typically sign their messages with have a nice day or thank you for your business. Not something you would expect from a person committed to doing something that's illegal. They were the only person I wanted to work with on the site, and they always came through. 
In my time doing business with them, they had always been green or yellow. I can't recall once over the two years where they switched over to red. Well, that is until the last time I put an order with them. I got on the site as normal and saw that he had marked himself as yellow. No big deal, I sent him a message basically asking if my usual was available. Almost immediately after, his page had switched over to red. I was a bit annoyed at this as he'd always come through, and I was, as I said, an addict. I went over to his page and sent him another message. I basically said, hey man, what gives? Within a few moments, I got a message back that said, to put it kindly, F off. This came as an honest surprise to me as, like I said, he'd always been so cordial before. I responded with something like, do you not want my money anymore? I waited for about an hour to see if he had sent a message back, but I didn't get anything. It was a few days later that I went back to see if maybe he had stopped again. I think part of me seriously thought that the seller was just having a bad day, or maybe it was a partner of his that wasn't as polite. When I logged in, I saw that I had a message from him. I clicked it, and it said, I have your usual. Send me the money. I was a bit wary at first, but I was also naive and needed to keep my mind focused and study for exams. Despite my initial hesitation, I went ahead and sent him the money. I replied and told him that it was sent and waited. I think I messaged him once or twice after that within the week, but he had been offline since our last interaction and hadn't changed his account from red. About a week after our last interaction, I got the package. The box looked like it was heavily used and trashy. This was in a complete contrast from what I was used to. When I opened it, it was lacking pretty much all of the security the seller normally had. He would typically pack inconspicuous items in with the order, usually stuffed animals. Instead, the box was full of packing peanuts and tissue paper. I dumped it out on the floor and checked it, thinking I was doomed. But then I saw the pill bottle and an envelope would appeared to be a letter. The first thing I did was open the letter. It said, Consider this your last order. Jimmy is out of the trade. Thank you for your business. I was a little pissed off since I was going to have to now find a new person on the site to work with, but at the same time, it wasn't a huge deal. At least I had about 60 days before that was going to be a problem. That was my thought until I grabbed the bottle and opened it. I removed the lid and saw that inside the bottle were fingernails. I don't mean like fingernail trimmings. I mean fingernails that have been ripped out of the bedding of the finger. Ten of them, to be exact. The edges of them looked like they had dried blood, which told me they had been forcibly removed. It was then that the letter's meaning became a bit more dark, with Jimmy being out of the trade. To answer any potential questions, I never went back to the site. I never went back to any drug sites on the deep web at all. This scared me to the point that I pretty much abandoned all illegal activity. And to those that are curious, no. I didn't go to the police. I wanted to. I wanted to tell them that it was possible someone had been murdered, but how exactly does one explain that with what I had? I couldn't just waltz into the precinct and slam a pill bottle full of fingernails down and say, my drug dealer has been murdered. Technically, he could have pulled him out himself. So anyways, that's my story. Stay off the dark web. Deep web is probably okay. <laughs>